Welcome to episode 270 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. I'm Will Knaus, and with me, as always, is my co-host and husband, Mr. Jeff Adams. Hello there, everybody. Welcome back, Rainbow Romance readers. We are so glad that you could join us for the Big Gay Fiction Book Club episode for the month of November. This month's pick is the holiday romance, The Christmas Deal by Kira Andrews. And before we start our deep dive discussion of this month's book, we'd like to quickly thank the members of our Patreon community. It's because of them that we're able to bring you podcast episodes every single week with interviews from your favorite authors and reviews of some of the best books our genre has to offer. On the Big Gay Fiction Podcast Patreon page, members get early access to the book club episodes and author interviews, as well as an exclusive monthly bonus episode that can't be heard anywhere else. Patrons help keep this podcast running and fund the transcription of the author interviews, making sure that this show is accessible to all readers and listeners. If you're in a position to help the podcast grow and would like more information, simply head on over to patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. So let's get into this discussion on this wonderful book. Once again, you have picked awesomely. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. One of our main characters is Logan. He's an ex-Marine who is down on his luck, to say the least. His truck is in the shop. He's about to be evicted. And because of an accident at the rail yard where he used to work, he's also out of work. And on top of all of that, he's found himself a single dad to an angry, grief-stricken teenager named Connor. Logan receives a call from Connor's private school, and he's been acting out again, so he borrows his sister's SUV to have a meeting at the school, where if Connor doesn't get his act together and passes midterms before the Christmas break, he is out. Logan needs something. I I felt so bad for this guy from the get-go. If there's something that could be wrong, it is wrong for him, and that, of course, makes him a perfect character to have in a romance so that he can get to a journey of being, you know, finding his happy again after so much going wrong. I really like this look of Logan. You you get to know everything you need to know in this chapter and meet Connor and really understand everything that's going on with him. Yeah, you're right. This first chapter does a lot of heavy lifting, but it's done exceedingly well. Kira Andrews knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of angst and grief expressed in the first chapter of this book, which gave me pause. That's not exactly what I am looking for when I open the pages of A Christmas Romance. Like I said, this guy's dealing with an awful lot of stuff. After a severe accident at work, during his recovery, he falls in love with the nurse who is taking care of them. They get married and realize almost immediately that it was a bad idea. But before they can actually end things, she ends up dying. She has an aneurysm. So there's lots of trauma and a whole lot of stuff for this particular character to to work through. But it's really important to note, as you did, that while you had pause, we'll just say here in the upfront that this smooths itself out in an appropriate fashion. This book is not angst heavy. It's angsty in its backstory as you're getting set up, but it really turns into a super sweet romance. When it came to choosing this particular book for this month's book club, I actually started and stopped this book three different times, and I've read this book to roughly the 20% mark three times. 
So I'm very familiar with the introduction of these particular characters, and I was a teensy bit worried, but my fears are unfounded as we dive into chapter two, where we are introduced to the other hero, a guy named Seth, who, when we meet him, is busy with just another day at work when news that the new CEO of his company... They recently had a big corporate merger slash like buyout thingy. The new CEO is touring the office. Seth's cubicle mate is his best friend, Jenna, who happens to be Logan's sister. And she fills him in on the fact that Angela, their new corporate boss, is obsessed with the idea of family. So much so that rumor has it that the best way to move up in the company is to be married with kids. Seth is most definitely single, and he bemoans the fact that the big promotion he's been working so hard for will definitely be out of reach, when Jenna decides to give her friend a helping hand. As Angela is approaching their desks, she places a framed photo of Logan and Connor on Seth's desk. And as they're all making small talk with the new boss, Jenna talks up Seth, saying that he'd be perfect for the new promotion, and oh, isn't this photo of Seth's fiance, Logan, and his son just the cutest thing? I love this so hard. <laughs> and I love Jenna, too. We'll talk, I'm sure, more about Jenna as we go. But I love this moment where she's just like, boop, here's a picture. And Angela, of course, falls head over heels for it because she's all about love is love and everybody needs family and stuff. And we've seen this exact theme play out in Hallmark Channel movies. I mean, I've already seen movies this season from years ago where this very story played out. And I have to say, the way that Kira set up the whole fake boyfriend, I need the promotion, I need a family to get the promotion, was just freaking brilliant. Yeah, Angela is definitely charmed by Seth's family situation. But as they're all walking Angela back to the elevator, Logan shows up with the keys to Jenna's SUV. And the situation is awkward, to say the least. Confused, Logan learns that apparently this guy Seth is his fiance, and the new boss lady has invited herself over for dinner. And once they all have a moment alone, Jenna explains to him why she did what she did. It's all like so ridiculous and crazy, and he wants nothing to do with it until they get to talking about what this white lie might entail. It's going to be a mutually beneficial agreement for both Logan and Seth because they work out that Logan and Connor will stay with Seth over the holidays. There's the problem of his eviction. And Logan will finish the remodel on Seth's kitchen so that the house will be ready for the big dinner with Angela. Seth, Logan, and Connor will also need to play Big Happy Family during a holiday corporate retreat in Lake Placid. This plan is agreed to by all, and the caper is afoot. And the word caper here is key because one of Jenna and Seth's co-workers from the get-go just runs around calling it the caper. He's a hoot. I can imagine him being amazing comic relief if this was a movie because he would keep playing this role. I also really love the idea of how Jenna just kept staring at her brother to get him to go along with this on the fly with Angela catching him coming off the elevator. It was a really nice, almost rom-commy moment coming off of some of the angstiness that we had in that first chapter to kind of lighten up the mood a little bit. Yeah, what struck me as I was reading the beginning of this book three different times um, is that <laughs> it's not really about the first and second chapters being so tonally different. Like one is like all about grief and angst and other is like wacky rom-com shenanigans. I think what she does when she introduces both Logan and Seth 
is very expertly beginning to sprinkle the backstory so we understand who these two guys are and why they would want to commit to this seemingly harebrained scheme so that it makes sense to us as a reader. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. I mean, it's, you know, we've reviewed Kira several times on this show, and we always love the way that she spins a story, and she's done it so well here to give us these very complex and, and you know, slightly flawed characters, but make us just love them in those first couple chapters. The tension between Logan and his teenage stepson, Connor, makes the move to Seth's house a little more dramatic than necessary, but let's face it, such is life with a teenager. Yeah, and and, and let's be real, Connor has legit issues. He's just not being cranky to be cranky. He's He's got stuff going on, too. And it's here that we learn about how Seth was rejected by his own family when he came out and was dumped by his boyfriend after they moved and bought this particular house. So Seth is alone, Logan and Connor are alone, but together they've got each other. Yeah, and that just blooms from here, if you will. (laughs) That weekend at Seth's, Logan overdoes it while moving cabinets in the garage. An attack lays him low briefly, and he and Seth end up talking about how severe the accident was at the rail yard, and how long his recovery was, and how he occasionally has these, I guess we could call them episodes. They also talk about how the accident led to his ill-fated marriage, and to Logan unexpectedly becoming a single father. There's a lot of really awesome stuff that happens here in this discussion. They finally come to understand each other a little bit better because Seth's already talked a little bit about his failed relationship. Here we get to know more about Logan. And even more importantly, we learned a little bit more about Connor too because Connor's reaction to what happens to Logan is key to show that this angry young man is angry for a reason and is not always as ill-feeling towards Logan as the facade he might be putting on too. Yeah, Seth may not have any actual practical experience when it comes to parenthood, but it's here that he urges Logan to kind of take it slow when it comes to Connor. Like we said, the kid's been through an awful lot. He doesn't need a stern authoritarian father figure. He needs someone who's going to understand what he's going through. And to make it known that it's going to be okay. Yeah, because though... Connor and Logan know how to press each other's buttons. Oh, yeah. Boy, do they. They press them quite often. Connor does end up helping with the organization of the kitchen cabinets, proving there's at least a slight glimmer of hope and that their problems aren't you know, totally insurmountable. Yeah, I think what we see here, too, is Seth is really good at de-escalating situations a lot too yes he's <laughs> facilitating the discussion of ideas and emotions which you know to me because he's trying to become the lead of the trainer department at work it just feeds into those skills that make him you know good for the job that he's going for it's a really interesting way to bend all that together to show just who seth is even as he deals with his own crap So while out shopping for a dining table, Seth and Logan encounter Seth's ex-boyfriend, Brandon, and his new Jim Bunny boyfriend. So like amongst the throngs of Christmas shoppers on a snowy downtown sidewalk, Seth must confront Brandon for the very first time since their breakup. And sensing how uncomfortable Seth is, Logan slips into loving boyfriend mode and finds that despite the fact 
that it's just for show for that jerk of an ex, Logan doesn't mind affectionately feeling up Seth. Not one little bit. <laughs> yeah, not one little bit. Even though we know from some discussion previously that while Logan has had uh, random hookups with men, he doesn't really consider himself even bi at this point. So there's a really nice evolution that we'll see play out here on how Logan you know, has a little self-discovery journey through this. I love this chapter so hard because this leans so heavy into fake boyfriend that just on the spot, Logan is right there to, you know, show Brandon that he's a dick <laughs> for what he did to Seth and Seth is doing just fine. And frankly, I also enjoyed the shopping too. this thing where Seth wanted to look at every single table that was possible to get. And Logan's just like, can we just be done with this and pick a table, please? <laughs> it was it was so cute. And you could see right here how their relationship would easily evolve into them being actual boyfriends. Let's talk quickly about the bisexual awakening trope. Logan considers himself straight, despite the fact that Jeff just mentioned that he has had experiences with men in the past. Up to this point in the story during his own interior character monologue, to his mind, relationships are for with women and you know fun and no strings flings are for with men and that is the hard line in the sand that he has drawn between the two and throughout the entire story it's really an exploration of how logan thinks of his own sexuality and how in the context of this fake boyfriend scenario he comes to realize that the gender of the person may not matter. It's the person that he's falling in love with. Mm -hmm. It's a really wonderful element to this story, how he comes to discover this. And while we're having a pause talking about things that go on in the book, that internal monologue that runs for both Logan and Seth is really well done and just shows you how broken these two men view themselves, even if the outside world doesn't perceive them in the same way. And we'll see that internal monologue shift over time in a really delightful way as well. So at work the next day, Seth fills in Jenna on the unexpected Brandon encounter. And in the past, a run-in with his ex might have sent him into an emotional tailspin. But Seth finds that his relationship with Logan, no matter how fake, is making him happy. Happier than he's been in a really long time. And just getting some of the more lighthearted humor here, Jenna's reaction to the concept of Logan antiquing was kind of priceless. <laughs> <laughs> Seth arrives home to find Logan has decorated the outside of the house. There's festive lights, a wreath on the door, and Seth cooks dinner for them. Afterwards, watching the game and having a few drinks, Seth thanks Logan for dealing with Brandon the day before. And feeling a little bit loose, he talks out his frustration of being relatively inexperienced when it comes to sex and how difficult he finds it to be casual about it. Logan says that the casual sex that he's had with guys has been fun and uncomplicated, and Seth is duly shocked, but then a little intrigued. More than a little intrigued, let's be fair. <laughs> <laughs> and they end up talking about how bisexuality could be a possible identity for Logan. Though, of course, he primarily sees himself as straight. Logan says that if Seth wants some help exploring the idea of casual sex, he'd be up for that. And Seth is very much up for that. And he gets down on his knees for Logan, who is happy to discover that his fake boyfriend has remarkable talent despite his relative inexperience. Yeah, it's interesting for Seth that uh, he's only really had Brandon as a boyfriend. And 
there's also discussion in this chapter about his family, the religious upbringing. Seth doesn't even cuss, really. You know, he he's a very you know put together, buttoned up, good guy, and so kind of breaking this barrier for him around casual sex and breaking some barriers later where he actually does cuss. And I, I almost applauded for that point in the book. Uh, <laughs> he actually found those words. It's another nice moment. I keep coming back to the idea of awakenings and that's really what these two guys are doing for each other. They're both being woken up in ways that they were not when they were on their own. Seth is thrilled to have figured out the complexities of casual sex, and the next morning, seeing Logan all shirtless and sexy with his morning coffee, sends Seth into daydreaming about more, but that isn't really part of the fake boyfriend deal. After work, they have dinner and get each other off again, both of them ensuring that it is no big deal, but it is actually, of course, a very big deal indeed. Yeah, this is a turning point moment where they realize that there's more going on than just the deal itself that they maybe might have feelings for each other. Maybe their internal monologue gets really good through here (laughs) as they kind of sort that out for themselves. Yeah. It's at this point as we're like roughly halfway through the story that we're getting the um, push and pull. That's part of the classic fake boyfriend trope, you know, real feelings. That's not part of the deal. I know I'm having feelings. What is he thinking right now? They're scared to rock the boat and express what might actually be going on and is obvious to everyone around them. It's all really good and delicious and part of why I love this particular trope, especially set at Christmas. Um, (laughs) It's why I love it so hard. Yeah, this trope done at Christmas is so good. Whether it's you've got to do something for work or whether it's like you need to take somebody home for the holidays, or whatever it is. It's such a juicy one to to deal with this time of year. So the big night has finally arrived. With Angela on her way, they prepare for the evening. Seth is bowled over by all the beautiful decor Logan has tastefully used in the fully remodeled great room of his house. Logan even baked a cake using an old family recipe. Insert your aws right here. (laughs) It's so sweet. (laughs) Seth helps Logan pick out a tie for the occasion, and it's all remarkably domestic. And to Seth, there's nothing fake about how he's beginning to feel about Logan. Yeah, the other thing that is in play here for Seth is ever since he got kicked out, which happened at Christmas, he has not really let himself celebrate Christmas at all. He doesn't really tend to decorate. He doesn't tend to do functions. He doesn't really tend to acknowledge the holiday at all. And with Angela coming for dinner and all of this happening around the holidays, he at least has to play the part. And some of that playing the part starts to thaw him towards being able to enjoy the season again. Just yet another way that they're having these, you know, changes in their lives because of what's going on. So let's be real. Angela is a bit much. She's alternately ridiculous and worldly wise in a folksy southern kind of way i know this woman (laughs) i mean from my time living in alabama i know this type of person i love what kira has done with her though because this would have been such an easy character to make caricature of and to be homey and you know spin these tales and You know, maybe not even be all on board with, you know, a male-male relationship. And yet, at every turn, I swear, Angela surprised me in how she worked with the situations that she was 
presented with and how far she would go to help people out. She's a really great character here. So knowing that she is watching the two of them, our two heroes make sure that they are affectionate each other while they're outside and Logan is grilling some steaks. In the cold. Let's just be clear. This is not a summertime grilling scenario going on here. Yeah. Logan notices a single snowflake land on Seth's lower lip and he kisses it away. It is their first kiss and it is quick and delicate, but boy, does it make an impact. This might be my favorite scene in the entire book. Because this first kiss scene is one of the sweetest I think I've ever read. Because you've got that snowflake and it's already been discussed that one of Logan's hookup rules is no kissing. And for Seth to take the opportunity while there were others looking. Oh my God, it was so sweet. The meal and the rest of the evening go well. Angela and Logan commiserate about parenting teenagers. And when the conversation turns to his accident and subsequent job search, she offers to help him find a place in her organization. I enjoyed how he handled this too, because he had a moment where his pride might get in the way, but he managed to get the understanding that, you know, she may open the door for him, but he was going to have to walk through it with the goods and the experience. And it's just another nice nuance. I keep coming back to the nuances. I hope I'm not boring everybody, but (laughs) there are so many little things along the way that Kira does here that just makes this a wonderful story. Later, once their guests have left and while sharing a slice of cake together, Logan gives Seth the mail and in the stack are cards he sent to his family. Each of them marked return to sender. Seth finally explains the nightmarish coming out experience he had had, and he even shows Logan the obituary they wrote for him, published in the local paper back home. These people are awful. Let's just say that. The the parents are awful, and I like how Logan did his best to not underplay Seth's feelings, but to comfort him in this moment as well when he's opening himself up so much. Yeah, Logan can't imagine anyone being so cruel to Seth, and... In each other's arms, Logan's will do just about anything to take away Seth's pain. And when Seth asks if Logan will fuck him, he does. I think something that Kira manages to get across is is that this is something both of them need, is both deeply primal and very emotional. And the sex they end up having, it's real and emotionally raw and intense. And perhaps for the very first time, Seth seems to embrace his sexuality without guilt, which is a really important step for him. Yeah. Because like Jeff said, he has, because of his upbringing, he has an awful lot of hangups. Yeah. This was really the, you know, really pushing through the door of those hangups and that door will never, ever close again. Now for Logan, it's kind of a revelation. He kisses Seth, like really kisses him, but Seth suddenly puts up walls They've crossed a line. This was never part of the original agreement. Conflicted and just a little bit confused, Logan would like to talk it out, but agrees to give Seth his space, and they end up sleeping in separate beds. I was really surprised by this, because if there was going to be somebody who wanted to talk it out, I would have guessed that it would have been Seth. So subverting that expectation and making Logan the one who wants to talk it out was really a nice change. Kira does that so often in this book. I mean, she did it with Angela. She does it in a few other places where the story doesn't unfold, at least like my mind thought it would unfold, and I really enjoyed that. Seth is horrified that he's kissed Logan because it's definitely coloring outside the clearly set boundaries of their fake relationship. 
and it makes the drive to Connor's school the next morning awkward. But Connor has aced his exams, so at least one crisis is averted. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I was so tense leading into the retreat because now you've added Connor back into the mix here. And while he's on board, I mean, he's also this, you know, kind of angsty teenager right now. And, you know, how is he going to mix into all of this? Um, yeah, he's a good kid genuinely but he's also ready to fly off the handle at any moment so yeah i was just like oh please let's all just keep it together so they all arrive at the lodge just out of snowy lake placid where everyone seems to be fooled by the seth logan connor family unit caper 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 yeah (laughs) jenna remarks that the longing looks seth and logan were giving each other over dinner were pretty darn convincing But Seth is still overwhelmed by the guilt about his deepening feelings for Logan, and they're not helped by the fact that they actually have to share a bed. And not just share a bed, but share a bed in the same room with Connor. (laughs) Yeah, it's awkward, it's weird, and yeah. Makes for some great scenes, though. When Connor goes for an early morning swim with some of the other kids the next morning, Logan takes the opportunity to relieve Seth of his morning erection, giving him a very satisfying blowjob. Then, jacking off and putting on a little sexy show for the guy that he finds it increasingly impossible to stop thinking about. Later that morning, they spend some time sledding, and even Connor comments on the chemistry between the two of them. And Logan has to pretend that it's just good acting. Yeah, and this is a big deal here, because one of Connor's big hang-ups is, did Logan really love his mom? He knew that Logan was looking to maybe break up with her when she died. There's a lot of questions still for Connor around what happened there. And he's worried about his perceptions playing out again with Seth, which leaves him feeling a little, you know, concerned about his future. He doesn't, he kind of likes Seth and he doesn't want to see Seth get hurt in the same way that he thinks Logan hurt his mom. So some really interesting things playing out there as they try to keep this facade going at the retreat. While Seth and Angela watch Logan build a snowman, they talk about life and love and the promotion that will definitely be his in the new year. Angela is also actually going to come through with a job opportunity for Logan. And then after that, skating at a local rink provides Logan and Connor the shared fun of poking fun at Seth, who seems spectacularly bad at all winter-related sports and activities. Yeah, the sledding was not his favorite. He's not good at the skating laughably so at the skating it's kind of another rom com moment the other thing that's nice here too is you know earlier logan had his moment with angela where they were talking about his experience with work and with connor's mom and here seth is getting the same moment where he kind of reveals to her some of the stuff that went down with his family as well and it's another nice opportunity to see angela you know really be more than a CEO, but kind of being a caring and sweet individual too, trying to help everybody out who's within her employ. After dinner, our two heroes escape up to the room and Logan is fully prepared to show Seth just how real their relationship has actually become. But Connor sees the two of them kissing, which leads to a confrontation. Logan desperately trying to explain what is actually going on, but Connor is understandably angry and confused and he lashes out at them eventually running out of the hotel and onto the dangerous ice of the nearby lake. Bet you can see what's going to happen here. 
<laughs> Connor plunges into the water, and Seth and Logan go out after him. And it's interesting that it's Seth that runs out first. The person who doesn't really know how to behave on ice at all really charges into the fray to rescue the young man. And it's a really awakening moment for Logan realizing that he's about to lose potentially two people who really, really matter to him. Yeah, exactly. Later, after everyone has been pulled out of the water and some of the drama has subsided, at the hospital, Logan has a sit-down, heart-to-heart chat with Angela, who, once again, dispenses some folksy but honest advice. Almost losing Seth and Connor has forced Logan to examine what he wants. And that is definitely a family with the three of them all together. And once they're all back in their hotel room at the lodge, Logan has a true heart-to-heart father-son discussion with Connor about how they both gotten to where they are and how a fresh start might actually be what's best for the two of them. It's really a sweet conversation between Connor and Logan. I think Seth definitely rubbed off on Logan over time with how he's able to really talk openly with Connor about what happened in the past and what he wants now and where Connor fits in with all that. Yeah, it's a real frank and emotional discussion. Logan has always felt unprepared to be a father and Connor has never really known how to express the grief of losing his mom and it's in this moment they realize that they're both in the same boat mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that they're just trying to get through it all and they neither one of them exactly know what they're doing yeah but if they try together they can move forward it's really it's very It's very tender and very emotional and very real. And it's a testament to how good Kira Andrews is about building emotional depth when it comes to her characters and the situations that they work through in order to get to their happy ever after. Yeah, because there's there's more here in this happily ever after than just Seth and Logan sorting out how they're coming together. There's a lot of people getting a happily ever after in the story. Because of everything that's gone on. So back home on Christmas Eve with Connor in his room upstairs, Seth and Logan, by the light of the Christmas tree, decide, officially, that is, that they're not just casual anymore, and that being together is all that they really want. Family time at Jenna's finds Logan explaining to her and his father that the pretending with Seth has turned into something very real, and that he is bisexual. It's a nice moment with his dad. His dad has a few moments in the book, once again, kind of subverting some expectations. He is certainly of a different generation, but he also wants his son to be happy. So he's willing to learn to understand what it means for Logan to be by. On Christmas morning, Seth and Logan awake in each other's arms. Logan asking for a gift he'd never thought he'd want. Seth inside of him. So they end up going at it. And Logan's first time is wrapped up with a flurry of I love yous. The perfect Christmas morning. So One of my pet peeves as a reader is sex scenes at the end of a book. I feel that in most cases, once we've gotten over the the traditional black moment where all hope seems lost, but then they find they're happily ever. I mean, the story is essentially over. So there's really no emotional tension or, frankly, any reason to have a sex scene as the last chapter. But here, once again, Kira expertly knows what to explore and how to explore it with these two characters. And this sex scene between Seth and Logan is incredibly sexy, but also emotionally satisfying 
It means something for the two of them. Therefore, it's not just superfluous fucking at the end of a book. Yeah, it really <laughs> cements their relationship. It cements their happily ever after. And it's all, it's really, in a lot of ways, the final letting go of everything in their past. And after the super hot Christmas morning hookup, our heroes have a traditional opening of the gifts with Connor, and the three of them make breakfast together. It's all very homey and very domestic and utterly adorable. Mm-hmm. It's a super sweet way to tie up the end of this book. Very quickly, there is an epilogue that takes place several years later that shows that despite their rough start, Seth, Logan, and Connor... And the rest of their extended family are celebrating the holidays together with new traditions combined with old. It's festive and full of cheer, and it's the perfect note to end this book. This might be one of my most favorite epilogues ever. I think I told you after I finished it, it's like, oh my God, the epilogue. (laughs) And what I liked about it so much is that it didn't just move six months out or a year out. It moved five. It got Connor into college. So he's coming home from college in the epilogue. And it was really nice to see how the family unit had changed in the long haul, not just in the short term with maybe a wedding or everybody settled in their jobs or whatever, but really had become a tremendously supportive family unit. I loved it. It was the perfect ending. This story delivered everything I was looking for in a Christmas romance or just frankly a romance in general. I think the journey between Logan and Seth is genuinely satisfying. It gives you that nice ah, sigh at the very end. Exactly. (laughs) And only the best romances do that for me. And quickly, before we start to wrap things up, I want to congratulate Kira Andrews on another amazing book. Like I said, I enjoyed these two main characters an awful lot. But I think what really sells me on a book is, is that how an author is able to create an interesting and compelling world in which those characters can inhabit. And that includes secondary characters. Now, in our discussion of this particular book, we've mainly focused on Seth and Logan and Connor, but there are a whole host of other people who are part of their lives, and each of them are really wonderful. We mentioned Angela, who is a lot more than than a sweet-talking Southern boss, She has real insight to offer to these two characters, and she's a wonderful addition, as well as Jenna's family. She has a husband and some kids. Jeff also mentioned Logan's father. He adds some interesting context to how Logan views his own sexuality and how coming out was something he never would have even considered in the past, but now feels safe enough to do so. So all in all, a really wonderful, expertly written read. And I highly recommend it. Yeah, it was a great beginning to holiday reading season. Need to give a shout out to to John Solo. John always does tremendous work in romances. But here, I really thought he gave some wonderful nuance to Seth and Logan, particularly as he has to present the internal monologue. Internal monologue can really be hit or miss sometimes in how it's presented. He really infuses that internal monologue with some great emotion as well as he's doing it. And I also really like what he did with Connor because he had to move Connor from, you know, angsty teen to belligerent to emotional. As Vul- he's- There's a vulnerability. Yes. Yeah. Especially that scene where he has that heart to heart with Logan in the hotel room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then aging Connor up by like five years 
So we hear some of the man that, that he became. It was a really an expert job and just overall added to the nuancedness of the audio performance. Yeah, I really enjoyed his performance as well. And if audiobooks are your thing, we highly recommend that you check it out. Well, I think that'll do it for this month's book club episode. We hope that you've enjoyed our discussion of The Christmas Deal. And if you haven't read it yet, we hope that you'll consider giving it a try. And if you're interested in hearing from the author herself, Kira Andrews, we actually spoke to her back in 2018 in episode 134 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. In that interview, she was talking about her recent duology, Valor on the Move and Test of Valor. So if you're interested in that, we highly recommend you check out that backlist episode. All right, I think that'll do it for this episode. Coming up next, author Jillian St. Kevin will be here to tell us more about her Red by Candlelight series, including the brand new Christmas story. Yeah, it was really great to find out more about this series. Of course, we did The Mystery of Brackenwell Hall as a book club selection during October for Halloween. So much interesting ways that she's really tweaking gothic romance a little bit and adding a great dose of gay romance to it. It's just really fun. All right, everyone. Until next time, please stay strong, be safe, and above all else, keep turning those pages and keep reading. Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. If you're looking for more shows to try out, go to frolic.media slash podcasts. Our original theme music is composed by Daryl Banner. Thank you.